Hello and welcome to the Mumshon podcast with me, Helen Gatt. This is a podcast that aims to raise awareness for health and fitness for birthing people by creating space for discussion, expression, connection and education. Breathe. <laughs> okay, so joining me on today's episode, I've got Victoria Caulfield. So Victoria is a women's health physiotherapist. She's a pre and postnatal Pilates instructor. She's a crossfitter and she's a mum and an all round lovely lady. So I'm going to hand over to Victoria to tell us a bit more about herself and then we'll dive right into our chat. So hi, Victoria. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, thank you very much for having me. It's, um, it's lovely to be on here. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's pretty much me. I live down in Devon with my husband and my daughter, Theodora, who's 17 months old now. I always forget, I'm not very good at counting in months. I, like, I hear mum say it, I'm like, oh God, how many months yeah. is she? And I basically um, work sort of part NHS, part um, private physio, as you say, specialising in kind of pre and postnatal and have a real clinical interest in um, Pilates as well. And... And then um, making sure that I'm doing the best for my patients as well. So doing all the reading, um, looking at all the research and those bits and pieces and just being as informative as I can, really, and really trying to help the ladies that I see. Yeah. Yeah, that must be like, obviously, you've got your, your day job where you you are practicing and you, you know, you're performing actually what it is that you're qualified to do. But I think that's um, something that people don't realize is to stay on top of your game and to be able to provide the best service to your clients. There's just constant learning, isn't there? There's constant things going on in the background. Yeah, it it never really ends. I think one of my um, mentors when I was training said to me, and it was like my second ever placement long time ago. And she said, um, the great, like along the lines of, my husband says it all the time. One of the greatest things you'll ever know is that you know nothing. And it's like, oh, good. That brings you right back down to earth with a thumb. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You're never going to be the best at this. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, exactly. So, and she said, you know, it's constantly ever evolving, you know, yeah. research literature is always changing. Um, we're always learning new things. And that's the thing is I think um, in terms of physiotherapy, you, like with any profession you get, like I call them the pterodactyls. Um, they're like the dinosaurs and they'll be <laughs> like super experienced, super old, um, but they'll kind of say things like, they'll kind of go oh no no I don't I'm not a member of that um you know specialist interest group or no I haven't read a journal in however long I'm like oh my god how are you how are you relevant like it's so important for our patients and I think you're right in when you're talking about those dinosaurs is it's not just the professionals that kind of have those opinions within the especially within like the women's health physiotherapy world you know it's if we talk I mean I think we're of, the, we're of the same generation. I think we're of a pretty similar age, but our just our, our mothers would probably think, you know, I, I got on long fine without physiotherapy. I've had three kids and, you know, I've not needed any of that. And it's, it, it's that like, you only know what you know. And as soon as you know more than, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The world opens up. I'll never forget a lady in um, Waitrose and I was seven and a bit months pregnant and she parked her trolley kind of I, I couldn't I had quite a big bump and I couldn't get to something that I needed to get and I said oh um, excuse me do you mind just, just moving your trolley because I didn't want to kind of move it for her and mm. she went oh you know we've all been pregnant before and I was like what like <laughs> it, I don't know what it is I think there's this real thing that I think you know I think women are just generally very stoic I think we just crack on with things but previous generations they really really did and they they didn't have perhaps the specialist help out there and it's just uh we just get on with it dear kind of attitude yeah and I think from what you've just said they didn't have that specialist help they didn't have anybody saying to them 
like you don't have to put up with this and that's no. this isn't this isn't the way your life needs to be and we can we can help you and we're here to help you and you know things can be different so yeah. it's that well no nobody showed me that way so yeah. I don't understand exactly and it also it's like empowering women as well I find so interesting so it's the classic you shouldn't really lift anything more than a kettle if you're pregnant dear and I had that said to me by occupational health um, wow. at the, at, in my local trust. Um, she was lovely, really, really nice. Um, she's in Oki Health and I, and I saw her and she knew that I was training. And she was like, oh, I really don't think you should be doing that. And I always, it's not my business to go, it is my business to go re-educating my patients for sure. Yeah. Patients just, um, people that I meet just day in, day out, you know, I'll, I'll always, I'm one of those people that like nods and smiles and is like, okay, yeah, yeah you know I, I really appreciate that thank you because it does come from a good place but oh goodness me the research does not agree with that no no not and, and as professionals like we know that the research doesn't agree with that but general day-to-day and I was only thinking about this the other day something I really dislike about my job is the amount of empowering my clients to say to people I don't agree with what you're saying. Please don't make those comments towards me. I don't like the way you're commenting on my body. You know, keep those opinions to yourself. Mm. And it's, I hate, I hate the fact that I have to help my clients to have that kind of, to, to handle that kind of interaction when really yeah. what should be happening is those comments just shouldn't, shouldn't just happen. Shouldn't be and, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I love 100%. empowering them, but not for those reasons. And it's just such a shame that those opinions and those, um you know the the feelings around pregnancy and are, are still there and yeah it's, there's nothing like a pregnant lady for do you know what I mean it's open season you know the second oh you're pregnant gosh. everyone oh do this do that oh you're expecting twins you're massive oh your bumps really small this that the other and it's like oh do you know what you know just yeah. keep it to yourself <laughs> exactly exactly if more people just kept it to themselves the world would be such a better yeah. place wouldn't yeah, it definitely <laughs> <laughs> Now, but it also puts you in a difficult position to share the right information, I feel, because you, yeah. you know, these women are so bombarded with information, whether it's mm. from well-meaning relatives, from strangers on the street, from health, health professionals who are supposed to be trying to help them, or just like online, like Instagram and places like that, so full of messages that to, to add to that for them can sometimes feel a little bit oh, like overwhelming or like do you know what I need they need to find this out for themselves but and I, I think I, I, I'm sure you'll agree that if there's anybody best place to give them that kind of advice on their body and on their movement during this time it would be a qualified specialized professional such as yeah. a women's health physiotherapist or yeah, a specialized coach <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's that's what's very difficult is I think social media is a fantastic tool um and I mean I get really nervous when I write my blog posts I get really nervous that like did I research that did I put the point in did I put did I reference it did I put it in right and because it is so important that these women are given the correct up-to-date advice and not just what their granny said um because I think there's so much of that and in and we're also becoming really aware which is a good thing about the whole fake news thing we're in the middle of a global pandemic which isn't a whole lot of fun there's an awful lot of information and guidance out there for sort of 
pregnant women and um, ladies postnatal that are breastfeeding and things. It's a real, it's kind of a scaremongering thing. And it's, it's incredibly frightening at the moment for these ladies. And I just think they get so much from so many different places. They do get to a point where they almost kind of just go, oh, do you know what? Just go away. Just leave yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, they're like, well, okay, it looks like I've got to find some help and then yeah. trying to find the right person. That's right. And trying to find the right person. That's why, um, you know, like the Mummy MOT and Squeezy app where you can find um, a women's health physiotherapist is so important because yeah. otherwise, you know, I think probably 80% of women that I see in clinic, they say, God, I didn't even know you existed. What's yes. this you know, and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, and I always say it like at work, you know, in the NHS and things, just scream it from the rooftops that like, we are out there and um, women's health physios, pelvic health physios are out there um, to be accessed. It's just a case of kind of finding us. And that's why social media can be such a good tool because you can reach so many people, which is fab. Definitely. Um, but it's also, it's also a shame that that's what you've got to resort to, to, to help people and that yeah. it's not just a, a standard form of care postnatal. Yeah, we are. I think in pregnancy. Yeah, we, we're, you know we're so far ahead of lots of nations in a way and we're so far behind lots of others you know France yeah. their postnatal care is pretty spectacular um Australia is really very good as well um here I went to my GP for my six-week check um this is before um COVID and uh she gave me some incredibly outdated advice around breastfeeding through the night my daughter was six weeks old mm. the advice she gave was so out of date my midwife when I saw her she's now become a personal friend almost screamed um oh. it, it was horrendous and then I said oh I think I've got a bit of a bit of a gap bit of a diastasis and she just looked at me and she went what's that then and I, <laughs> I was like okay and I sort of said oh it's um it's a bit of a, it's a separation of the linear alba but it's okay I'm gonna go and um I'm, I'm gonna I sort of assess myself and I'm working on it and I've got some friends at Women's Healthies and she sort of was like oh jolly good and it, it's so hard because it's not to to bash GPs they're wonderful I've got some fantastic friends who are GPs they are literally dealing with god everything I just everything. think walk through the door on a daily basis yeah and it's everything and there's yeah. some incredibly serious and and really important things they must get right with sort of red flags and signposting patients so sometimes especially if you're sort of seeing a locum gp or something like that it's having the ability to kind of go oh I wasn't very happy with that I didn't that didn't quite go as it as I sort of wanted and it's not to do it you know I really encourage ladies it's perhaps not to do it right then and there um, and have like a right, you know, horrendous, <laughs> you know, this is not what, because I think some, I, and I've said this before, I think a lot of the time the healthcare professionals themselves in their heads are going, oh my God, I, I like, I don't know. I just don't know where yeah. to go. I don't know who to signpost to. And that's okay. Like I said before, we don't have all the answers, um, but it's certainly, I think either the, hopefully the healthcare professional recognizing and saying, actually, I'm not too sure about that. Let me speak to someone in Obs and Gynae for you yeah. um, or the individual, which is very hard when you're postnatal and you're sleep deprived and everything else. It's really hard to advocate for yourself sometimes. Yeah. I always say to ladies' partners as well, you know, if, if they're coming home and they're upset about what's going on or they haven't received the right assessment, you know, encourage them, you know, let's try this doctor or let's try this practice nurse. You know, there's you can break up with your healthcare professional. It's OK. Yeah, you can find another one. And yeah. and it was actually a conversation I was having yesterday with um, just one of our regular gym members, actually, about a totally mm -hmm. 
on pregnancy related issue but that you know you, you have this impression that you go to that every gp is the same they have the same learning they have the same understanding they have the same access to the same information but they don't they have different experiences they have um they've come from different places they've seen they've only treated what they've treated previously they have their own personal experiences they have good days and they have bad days and sometimes a doctor just a certain doctor just isn't the right fit for you um yeah. but it's also on that same note why I recommend that my pregnant clients get in touch with the physiotherapist during the pregnancy so that yeah. when it gets to that point that six eight weeks that they've got somewhere to go to for yeah. those they know straight away you know they've got a relationship with somebody who they are comfortable with who knows them and they know where to go so that they're not sat in that six week GP check going just I've got this feeling in my vagina and I don't like it but I don't know what it is yeah and then not getting anywhere with it and not, and not knowing where to go with it and being left with this feeling of I feel rubbish and this is the way I've got to be for the rest of my life Absolutely, um, yeah. or then struggling to think like well well what what do I do if the doctor doesn't know what yeah who, who does know um so yeah it's like preparing beforehand and creating those relationships and finding those contacts so that you've got a bit of a plan and yeah it can can help, definitely help your recovery much better to yeah. already have that in place absolutely cool. I couldn't agree more so getting back on to you yeah <laughs> let's learn a little bit more about you so tell mm -hmm. us about first of all um tell us about your professional background so we'll stick with a physiotherapy um mm -hmm. line and just just tell us about how you and why you became a physiotherapist yeah sure so um interesting fact actually I don't I don't think anyone I think like my mum and my husband know um Ooh. that I actually yeah here we go <laughs> <laughs> um I actually um got into being a midwife originally um okay yeah so I got to uni um in 2002 I think it was into Stafford Uni and I I I got into yeah to study midwifery so that's where kind of I always, I've always had a bit of a love affair with babies, um, pregnant ladies, postpartum. I've always been fascinated. Um, yeah. um, it, I didn't actually get to uni because I realised before I sort of applied, got in, was elated and then thought, actually, because I've always wanted to be a physio. Um, OK, but I, I kind of I, I went down. I was an auxiliary nurse in um, Dorchester County Hospital, which is I'm from Weymouth. So it's down the road. And um I sort of thought, you know, is this, is this really what I want to do? Or should I really, really, you know, see if I can, I can follow my dream and, and be a physiotherapist. I've always wanted to be a physio. I had, um, I kind of thought it was a bit magic. I fractured my elbow very, very badly when I was eight. I remember seeing this physio and, oh, it was really frightening. She kind of took the, the headspace out of the bed and stuck my arm through. And she was trying to kind of desensitize me from like seeing being okay yeah. and and so she kind of used different techniques and things and funnily enough like I after that particular session I started to get a bit of movement back because of course I've been immobilized for so long flexed at 90 degrees it was awful and it was incredibly you know my dad used to come to the sessions with me and he'd be like oh my god this is oh, awful god. to watch you know it's really really quite hard to watch but it only took two sessions with this woman and my movement started to come back and I did I was like oh, what kind of like sorcery is this <laughs> really this is impressive um and that's where like my my kind of drive to be a physio sort of came from um so yeah that's um how I kind of came to wanting to do the profession and um pursuing it because it, it was 
it was very tough. There was, um, I think, 20 or so places um, I got into Bournemouth Uni and I think 300 plus applicants. Oh my, wow. It was really <laughs> savage. It, it was a tough time for physiotherapy. Um, I got in to study in 2005 and the job shortages around 2005, 2007 were just awful. It was horrendous, you know. I okay. Know, and I still know lots of physios that qualified um, in with their degree and just couldn't get a job. And, and never have subsequently so it, it was really really tough but yeah um and then from there I kind of qualified and went um through into community rehab um and I actually my my first my first real job was as a qualified physio was in learning disabilities which I absolutely loved wow. um probably gave me the best grounding for being an advocate for my patients yes because um, a lot of the time you know you're having to really think about what is best for this person and you're acting in their best interest all the time um so I learned some incredible like some life lessons doing that job and I'm very very grateful for working with some incredible um clinicians then um social workers nursing you know, it's very holistic and that's where I think I enjoy women's health so much because it's just the whole spectrum it's the whole picture of all the professionals that work together yeah. um, to help women um, sort of through times in their lives that can be quite trying yeah yeah um, and then um, I did simultaneously my Pilates um, qualifications which linked really well through into um, women's health I absolutely love and it's been very integral for me sort of Pilates um, although my sporting background I was um, a swimmer um, okay all the way through um to about 17 or so sort of a competitive swimmer love swimming um and when that kind of died off when I realized actually getting up at five in the morning yeah it's not fun <laughs> like <laughs> your hair being crispy you're constantly stinking your chlorine it's not great it's not um, great when you're 19 and no you drink at the weekend you know you don't really <laughs> want to go away to galas and things like that so yeah it's um it it was perfect for me to kind of transition into kind of Pilates and I used it and I use it an awful I use it every day clinically um you know my husband's like my back hurts and like have you been doing your I have some Pilates for that (laughs) exactly and he's like oh god Um, (laughs) so yeah it's um and then I um continue to read an awful lot around women's health um because there aren't a huge amount of jobs um in the nhs in terms of women's health uh certainly down here it's it's very difficult thing to kind of um get yourself into so i like a lot of other um women's health physios do all of my courses and things privately fund all my courses and um just learn through doing some really good cpd sessions i've met some fantastic women um on the courses that I've been going to and do lots of CPD with them as well and uh yeah I'm, I'm averaging I think about sort of three or four courses a year at the moment it's a bit weird doing them um on zoom and things but it's, yeah. it's fun it's fun it's and it's lovely to see um people are adapting and everyone's still so desperately wanting to learn improve you know it's it's really really positive it's great oh that's cool yeah good cool so you mentioned there a little bit about your sporting background in competitive swimming um, and then into pilates but you do also enjoy some crossfit don't you yeah tell us about how you got into into crossfit then um so my husband I met my husband in 2014 and uh he's in the marines um he was posted up to we'd known each other about six weeks and he was like I've got some news and it was our second date and I was like, okay, 
okay this, this probably isn't gonna go this isn't gonna be good news yeah and he's like I've I've been drafted and I was like what does that mean he's like it means I get sent to different places I was like okay and he's like so I'm being sent to Scotland wow. I'm like yeah living in Weymouth which is like the little <laughs> tiny, tiny drip on the map that's right down south I was like uh right okay that's the opposite direction from me then um and he's in Weymouth too so I was like well it'd be all right we'll just we'll see how it goes so I went up to Scotland quite a lot and um I'll never forget he took me so he was like oh could you mind coming to the gym with me and I was like yes yeah, just down there isn't it because he lives on base and he was like no I go to um CrossFit Fife and I was like oh okay what's that and um I turned up and it was the open so it's probably the best time to wow. go to a CrossFit gym and uh, I walked in and I was like wow this is very energetic and <laughs> lots of shouting and it's very exciting and I met um, some really lovely people actually that I think made because it's hard I, you know being away from home and stuff I think it made the the draft for John because he was there for a couple of years um I met um, Simon and Jenny who were the gym owners yeah so Jenny um, this is when I thought again linking back to postnatal uh mm. the open and there were pull-ups in a workout and I watched this incredibly strong woman and she just had her baby was there like in the um car seat and her partner Simon was like sorting the baby while she was doing the workout the yeah. workout and I just <laughs> I watched her like jump up to this bar and just start doing butterfly pull-ups and I was like this lady is incredibly strong and that's incredibly impressive and good yeah. for me and that was when I was like you know what it's so far removed from anything I've done um in terms of swimming do you know what I mean you're supported by water you're definitely yeah. not supported by water in your back squatting um <laughs> so I thought yeah and, and when I came back home I kind of had a look for local gyms and and got into it that way really and met again met such nice people especially moving away from home down into Devon it's been lovely to meet so many nice people that's great so how did your training look whilst you were pregnant then um, so I kept it uh, the same as much as I could, really. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really, I was very conscious of, I'm quite, I've got quite long femurs, like a kind of a daddy long leg. So <laughs> I was always very conscious of anything pelvic-y. I was very sort of conscious of niggles and things. So I would just listen to my body. Yeah. I dropped, um, I stopped. I'm very lucky to have a, a really good friend who's a GB weightlifter okay um, so it's I I had some very good people around me to guide me which is fantastic um and Kathleen she's called she was like that's it Olympic weightlifting knock it on the head and it was really good actually because I'd have carried I didn't have a bump by any stretch of the imagination mm. but I'd have carried on I'd been like oh yeah I'm okay and she was like honey your bar path is not the best pre-pregnancy yeah. let's not wreck it now um because obviously as bump grows and lots of ladies like I see them on Instagram I think it's great because they just carry on to what they are comfortable with doing and I think that's so important um yeah but for me I, I needed no help in everything going to pot so um like Kathleen said knock it knock all Olympic lifting on the head and she's like if you want to do it use dumbbells so I subbed an awful lot for dumbbells and things and I stopped um I did a couple of open workouts pregnant I managed a couple of those but it was kind of early 24 weeks or so yeah um and I was just really mindful to like listen to my body I think still tick through because my like capacity for um chip going through chippers and things is quite good um yeah so that lovely increased blood flow um <laughs> 
and so at times it was really really good but I just I kind of stepped off the strength I'm not I'm not, not that great with strength anyway but stepped off the gas in terms of trying to push really um because for me it just it didn't really matter I just wanted to enjoy more than anything just enjoy moving and getting out of breath and seeing people really yeah I think that was what I enjoyed most about training while I was pregnant yeah because it, it just took all pressure off like I wasn't concerned yeah. about times or weights or scores or what scales and modifications I was doing I was just really enjoying working out and it felt like yeah. it was the first time since I started that I had I was enjoying it for just what it was yeah and not yeah, yeah. And not for what for any other reason um Absolutely. and I missed that actually I, funny, I, I try yeah. and put that now into my training and understand that it's just it's just it's just the joy of movement and exercise absolutely I I've, I think coming back like um postpartum coming back into CrossFit I had to really have a stern word with myself because I'd be like like I said I wasn't the strongest but I'd be like why is everything wobbling and why can't I go upside down and do you know what I mean I, it yeah. was obscene I was like you are starting CrossFit again so yeah chill out with the double unders calm down with the handstands do them piked off a box oh they're yeah. too hard okay then just do them with your hands on the floor and just try and get your try and get your head to touch the floor and push back up again you know it's that it's the real that's what crossfit's so good is it's getting those things back again so remember when i first got my double unders back again symptom free um, um after having my daughter and it was hilarious i was on my own <laughs> in the back like outside the garage and I was like oh my god I like got 34 in a row and I was like this is it oh my god and it's just I'm back exactly <laughs> it's just like getting them again and I was like and it's the real joy it's really enjoying it you know and and, and taking it back and not being you know because it is easy to get into the oh this isn't going very well and no just enjoy it you know yeah definitely and you know um we'll we'll I'll ask you a couple of questions about how you, your recovery went but it's such a common theme with with recovery, particularly postnatal recovery, is that it's really it's advertised as very linear. Mm. Like you have your baby, you you're a bit tired for a little while, you have your six week GP check, you get your all clear, you get back in the gym, and then oof, you lose all yeah, your weight, you get all your strength back, bam, done, <laughs> off you go. When in yeah. in actuality, it is so complex and so convoluted, oh. and it's so down, and because because of some of the complications and some of the things that you can be having to recover from and, and rehabilitate, especially symptoms do with your pelvic floor. There's yeah. so many aspects throughout your day and your life and like hormones and feelings and, oh, and God, everything yeah. that have such an impact on it, that it's impossible for it to be linear. Like it's, Absolutely. So, and the, the knock on effect of the way that you feel and, and how that um, then changes what you're able to do can be really it can be quite devastating sometimes and I think that message isn't given enough like you can you will get back to what you want to do like there is help and yeah. but it's it's going to take some time and there's going to be some shitty days within it but they're going to they, they're not going to last and they're going to pass but it's not a straight line yeah absolutely. it's wibbly wobbly <laughs> yeah it's that like on oh I can't remember what it is I've seen it on Instagram it's like um the, the progress like how you think it's going to be it's a nice like line that just goes like upwards and then yeah. how it actually is it's like a line and then there's the biggest scribble yeah. you've ever seen and then yeah just a little arrow that pokes out the end it yeah. is a scribble that, like that's the best way I can describe it is just like so many things have been thrown around our garage I've cried 
it's been horrendous and then some days like with the double under day it's absolute elation um yeah you the those little breakthroughs don't you yeah and like and the pull-up day do you know what I mean when I got my first yeah. strict pull-up again it's just jubilation it's so nice um but they're they're hard they are incredibly tough times but and that's what I say to my ladies is that it's the expectation versus reality yeah reality is you know and it's so true it's taken you nine months for your body to adjust to like growing a baby and then you know it's It's gone through huge trauma at the end of it (laughs) yeah absolutely it's done it's and it then it continues if you're breastfeeding even if you're not breastfeeding if you're just up throughout the night you know you're not that like crossfitter that gets their like you know eight hours sleep all my supplements I like to foam roll for 20 minutes before I snatch honey that's not happening like, yeah. you've got 20 minutes to snatch exactly <laughs> that is your session um yes. you know it's very different and it's just allowing ladies to go oh well that didn't quite go to plan but hey I did it yeah. you know yeah yeah and just have it like have a much bigger picture focus like one day isn't gonna dictate the rest of your progress and the rest of the way things are gonna go like it's it's being able to step back and say okay how have the last couple of months gone how has this week gone what is happening around my life right now I'm putting context towards those rubbish days and to help you get through them and that you know you've explained how how you felt through your recovery and that's coming from from a professional (laughs) like you help women through this recovery and Mm. you know what progress looks like and you know what's included in, in really good rehabilitation not just from like a postnatal point of view but from a sports point of view as well mm-hmm. and for you to have those feelings and to have those frustrations but then also the 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 elation with it as well yeah you've got all of that knowledge you can only imagine how someone completely in the dark must be feeling during those times and being able to be trying to go it alone and figure stuff out and not knowing what's going on and yeah you can see why people just push through and ignore things because you just get fed up of feeling rubbish and absolutely and you don't want it. Yeah, you don't want to feel like you can't do it. And I do, I, I think that's why a lot of ladies push themselves early doors, you know, um, and it's and it's not it's not essentially about kind of the mode of delivery and it's about are you experiencing symptoms? You know, when are you experiencing yeah. symptoms? And it's about like my husband always says, it kills me. He's right so often. God, it's <laughs> Mine's the same. I don't know. Oh, it's <laughs> I never say it at the time. I'm always like, yeah, okay, babe. Mm-hmm. And I'll just like walk off and then I'll secretly be like, God, he's done it again. Um, he says, <laughs> he's like castles made of sand and he's very right. You know, if you can kind of paper over the cracks of like, yeah, I leak a little bit when I do this or when I do that or when I'm doing pull-ups, like I leak a little bit, but it's, it's right towards the end. And it's like, it's, it's under fatigue and it's this and it's that it's not being afraid. And I certainly say it to my ladies, I kind of enforce it and I go, well, you're not going to get to that point. We're not going to get to that point. We're going to step it back just before that point. And then we're going to load you um, to kind of train and we're going to, we're going to work around that area and then it will improve. And then we can move up to that point again. It's, it's regressing to progress and it's, it's kind of the CrossFit way, really. It's just so important because it's, yeah, you kind of see people on CrossFit gyms, like, doing a bit more than perhaps they should and and you can kind of get away with it but actually in those early postpartum months it's just not worth the juice is not worth the squeeze it's just not worth doing exactly yeah and it's um it's something that we see a lot with crossfitters I I work with a lot of crossfitters and it's Mm -hmm. it's that athlete brain isn't it it's that like 
you know, if I just keep going, I'll, I'll get there and it'll be fine and I'll keep pushing. And it's the, it's fear almost of being like, okay, I need to take a step back. But it's the yeah. understanding of that step back isn't a step back. It's not, it's not, you're not getting worse at what you do, at what you can do. You're not going to lose the gains you've made. You're allowing them to progress. You're creating, you're creating space for them to come back and to progress. And, and as well with, with CrossFit and with that kind of training, it's such an identity it's such a part of who those women are and 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 it's something that I really struggled with was it's and and even more so for me because it, it's literally my job I own a CrossFit gym it's what I do yeah. it's not just a hobby it's my it's my livelihood so to be in a position where I can't do that mm. I couldn't do that as well as I could just I felt like a hope like my legs had been chopped off like I just I didn't feel like a whole me yeah, so yeah. to it took a lot of effort to just rein myself back in. And and in a way, I feel like a little bit fortunate that I did have symptoms. I have a, I have a, um, a grade one uterine prolapse mm. and like experienced symptoms with it that I had to work through and I had to rehab, but it, it made me put the brakes on. It made me really listen to my body and to, to do the right thing because if I didn't have any symptoms or, you know, if I wasn't aware of, of of what was going on I was I was working with a physiotherapist as well at the time yeah I would have just I would have just gone you'd have just cracked on yeah and I've been like okay let's see how this feels yeah. all right <laughs> you know when I was able to make much better more educated decisions but yeah I felt like a big part of me had been taken away yeah it's huge isn't it and and it's so interesting because you're such an advocate for your gym other women will see you and be like uh-huh, right right okay and, and I find some it's not letting that pressure as well get to you of oh I, I should you know expectation versus reality oh I should we be doing this mm-hmm. there's no saying of what you should be doing at what at when, when do you know what I mean and and it's really interesting I think it's the statistics are 50 percent of prolapses are asymptomatic and that's my thing is I do see so many ladies that um active like being active all the time is great but it's if you don't have those symptoms like we we're saying they just people just off they go like and yeah. they are flying and sometimes you can find that kind of later down the line they start to become a little bit symptomatic or they start to really feel it and then yeah. it's awful because they're like I shouldn't have done that have I done that, that too yeah. soon and that's so sad and I always say no 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 no! don't think that you've caused this you know it's 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 the fact that it was asymptomatic yeah please don't feel like because it's that's the thing is that I you know it, it can be really upsetting for some women to to feel like you know oh wow I know I shouldn't have done that so and so said I shouldn't have done it and that's where it's so hard and and yeah. again it's important to have the right CrossFit coach like yourself that's going to say well actually let's just let's start here and then we yeah. can progress yeah. to there you know that's so important to have I think because it's it's nice to have someone tell you it's okay exactly yeah it is nice to have Mm. that and and I think there's like particularly where prolapse is concerned it's it's seen as such a death sentence it's like oh yeah oh my god you've got a prolapse I've got a prolapse I'll never lift again I'll never run again and and you know I, I know there are there are wonderful people who work within the NHS and I know I know how full-on like those those people are with their jobs but there's been too many instances of women actually fighting for care through the through the NHS and saying I've got symptoms I need this sorting and finally getting to see 
a physiotherapist through their GP and being referred and they've got like a stage one, maybe a stage two prolapse and being told, stop everything you're doing, you need surgery. And it's just, I know, and it's sad. It's like, yeah. and so to ha- to hear, for, for someone to say like, I have a prolapse, to a lot of women, it's like, fuck, like yeah. she shouldn't be doing any of that. I would I would die if that happened to me. She must mm. be in constant agony, it must be so embarrassing. And it's like, listen, 50% of women who give birth have a prolapse. Yeah. And majority of the time you can recover from it. Like it'll never probably never go away and it's all dependent on what it is and why it is and you know to what degree but you can get back to doing what you what you do it might need you know different paths of of rehabilitation you might need to work on it for for a while but like it literally it does not affect anything that I do at all ever now you know I went through nine months of of diligent work with it and now I'm back to like pb and lifts and amazing you know double unders and you know not just being able to pick something up off the floor without feeling it you know it's yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not a death sentence you can live with it and, and that's nothing so, that I tell you what so many women and it's getting a little better um there's much more education out there now but the majority of women I see in clinic they will have had someone say to them you shouldn't you can't lift anything and <laughs> you know you mustn't lift anything babies are pretty damn heavy yeah. <laughs> and so is the stuff that they come with and in exactly. <laughs> like, i just leave like, it on the floor it's fine i'll just i'll just leave it down there then shall i <laughs> and it's, it's that that i just kind of go oh sweet jesus like we're just we're getting this wrong like how yeah. are we still you know how are we still going over this how are we still stopping women from doing you know what they need to do and exactly like first and foremost the nice guidelines you know women need to be seen by a pelvic health physiotherapist it is 101 in the management of pelvic organ prolapse and stress urinary incontinence go and see a physiotherapist it is so important um there was some recent studies done where actually um consultants and and again you get some incredible like i'm really lucky i've met and um was seen by some fantastic obs and gynees uh, consultants um but there are like everything, everyone, good and bad. Um, there are some that kind of, are, I don't know, the kind of bypassing the physio route and kind of going right. more along there, right? What interventions can we look at surgically? And yeah. it's such a shame because that is, you need to, you've got to go to point A before you go to point D. Do you know what I mean? You can't yes. miss out A, B and C because that's no. just not going to work. And we've not given it the best go. And that's, every woman is, every woman is owed that. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. just, it's about the education like you said there are so many mediums you know I, I was speaking to a lady in clinic the other day and she was like a pessary isn't that like a 90 year old and I was like no, was yeah. like, no. <laughs> they're, they're so good um you know there are so many different ones you can use um and we can try lots of other different things first and she's just like I had no idea all this existed and that's the thing is it's the no idea it existed because people just hear the oh prolapse oh wow yeah that was the last I heard of that person she and for god's sake don't google prolapse oh my god (laughs) prolapse and click images that's it I did that I did that on a bad day and then rang my physiotherapist the next day like I really think I need to talk to you about something (laughs) right stop googling (laughs) yeah it's I swear to god I'm not like Google's really good for things like, don't know, 
clothes. Finding a physiotherapist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Because the second you Google things like that, oh my God. No, Just and it's mostly it's sheeps that you're looking it's at. It's not, anyway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You do, you do look at something at me and you're like is that and that no that's not that's it's a bit not, woolly yeah that's not what I think it is and it's so frustrating because it's of course it's the first port of call for everyone it's the first yeah. thing you do and I still do it, it. god I had a baby and I was like oh god not a day went by I didn't type something into google do you know what I mean I'd, I'd hate to see my search history from the last 17 months it's mostly it, poo related, I reckon. Absolutely poo, hundred <laughs> percent poo. And my my husband, he um, I had some terrible bouts of mastitis. Um, oh. He was, I mean, it was quite indecent his search engine. Do you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> like his boobs, um, silver nipple shields, everything. He was like, God, if like if I have to take this into work, and it, that's going to be embarrassing. Going to be um, therapy. <laughs> Yeah, but you do, you just, you're just, this is my thing, is people are so desperate to get back to what they enjoy, get back to what they love, and yeah. um, they just want to find a cure and a solution. And it's, They do, and that's why it's really important that the, the people that they're going to for help, like physiotherapists and coaches and, you know, doctors and things like that, mm. have a let's, let's help you attitude rather than a, so like you said, with a lot of physiotherapists, um, like older physiotherapists perhaps are not specialized are nope you'll never run again no you'll never lift again you need to stop doing that when what we need is right okay right now is not the time to be doing that but here's a plan to get you there yeah yeah exactly we're going to try these things and we're going to we're going to work together and we're going to create you a, a team that's going to help you get there so like that's it needs that kind of approach rather than a yeah absolutely it's a real mdt approach and and there's a very fine line for me between um like if if we kind of lived in the same area of me like working with you i'd very much hand over my ladies to you because i'm not a crossfit coach i'm not a pt that's not my bag i can advise so far and then it's very much you and your knowledge and it's that combined working approach that's so yeah. so important um, for ladies to get the rehabilitation that takes them right the way through up to getting back to running getting back to heavy lifting and all those bits and pieces you know it's, it's important to you know I think women forget when they come into clinic I'm like what's your goal and they're like don't know <laughs> you know it's it's having a goal what do you want to get back to because yeah. this is for you this is your life and I want to see you know how we can improve things and it's I think yeah. often that's really forgotten about we just we kind of you know the google search and things we become that kind of google search and we get very focused on like ladies that have got um a gap in their abdominals a bit of diastasis they become very fit what's my number you know how, how big's the gap we're making yeah. it smaller it's getting bigger what's happening with it we get very very focused on the symptoms yeah yeah and it's about being able to give them the bigger picture around what those things mean and and to help them just to yeah fully understand what's really important and mm. you know taking that focus away from it so and and that is a that is a hot topic at the minute isn't it it's it's, it's dr and you know it's people that uh, instagram's full of success stories with it and yeah know, and oh. and danger warnings of of why it's a bad thing and and yeah you know it, it can really put the fear into people and make it such a, a huge focus but at the same time there are so many women who are living with aesthetics that they're just not happy with that can be really easily sold with the yeah. right exercises yeah it's it's really really difficult at the moment I think 
there's a lot of erring on the side of caution and the classic like oh you shouldn't lift anything if you have a prolapse oh well you can't do any abdominal crunches you can't do any ab work yeah no sit-ups ever for the rest of your life that's it that's you done and like I did in my recent blog post where I was like this is obscene um a research study was done by some physiotherapists looking at the protocols around um abdominal surgery so of course you have to follow really strict protocols to not increase your intra-abdominal pressure um, and one of the findings from this study was that intra-abdominal pressure is greater standing up from a chair than it is doing a sit-up. <laughs> absolute mockery of, oh, you'll never do an abdominal crunch again. That's you finished. That's yeah. just rubbish. Yeah. It's absolute shite. And I find it really difficult when, you know, oh, you can't do a sit-up again. So why don't you, why don't you come and train with me and do this program, which yeah. avoids you? Do- I'm like, you're just using this to your own for your own gains exactly because it's really I read some of that stuff and I was in not the best place potentially um quite early doors you know really panicked about things and Mm. not feeling myself um and I read some of that stuff and I walked around in the haze for like five weeks thinking that's it then I can't ever do any again double unders and sit-ups that's my favorite and that's me done and it was a horrible time until I was like no just read the research like really do your job (laughs) yeah tell us about then your um your labor and birth experience and Mm -hmm. how that went for you in as great or as little detail as you wish (laughs) how was that for you I'll I'll keep it I'll try and keep it as short as possible because it's 22 hours so wow um yeah fun one I I like a chipper like 20 20 (laughs) hours is quite the chipper um so Basically, I I really enjoyed my whole whole labour birthing experience. I loved it, and if I could do it again tomorrow, I would loved it. And that coming from someone who sustained a grade three B tear is is interesting. Perhaps wow. um, it was great. The only thing I um, went into labour at home. We'd planned a home birth um, with our lovely midwife Rhiannon, who was just. I think she made. I mean, having a baby obviously is quite cool, but having a midwife who's lovely was brilliant and she actually delivered yeah. our daughter which is great I went into um labor at home about quarter to three in the morning thought I really needed a wee and had some terrible back pain and then I was like uh, this is my walkers isn't it as I was like leaking over the bathroom floor very glamorous um and it was quite established quite quickly so um I think I slept through a lot of it which is gutting because I wanted like a nice warm bath you know, watch a bit of Netflix, didn't get it, never got that. Um, <laughs> and we, were, I was progressing quite quickly. So we um, called the midwife out and they came out and checked me and said to fill the pool for my husband to start filling the pool up. So he was like, okay, <laughs> a very important job. Um, and as soon as he started doing that, unfortunately I started being really sick, really, oh. really heavy, like really vomiting. It was, oh God, it was awful. Um, and I got the first part of that done. I thought, God, that was weird. Anyway, never mind, and just carried on. Unfortunately, that happened again, and um, that was when I was like, Ah, oh, I've heard about this. Mm-hmm. One of my friends, who's a nurse, um, was really sick with one of. She's got three girls. Was really sick with one of her girls, and she said, Oh, I'm sure you won't. I literally spoke to her two days before. She's like, You, you won't get it though. You'll be fine. And I was like, Oh, Heather, here I am, <laughs> vomiting all over the place. Um, and yeah, so um, another midwife came out and checked me um, a couple of hours later and she was like, actually, 
you're not progressing because you're being really sick and you're very dehydrated you're not moving as much and I was like yeah I am I'm fine I'm fine and I was actually not fine I was you know things were becoming more painful as well things were slowing down so I said oh just give me an antiemetic hook me up some fluids and I'll be fine and um she was like that's a great idea so we're gonna have to take you into hospital and I was like nah I was like it's okay just do it here (laughs) she was like I can't she's like you've got to go in so I said okay I said well we'll see how it goes if I'm um sick again then I'll I'll go in and literally I don't think she'd even close the door and I vomited everywhere so (laughs) so in I went um and it it was really good got into hospital and um I I was really in quite a lot of discomfort then and the plan was always to I had pethidine written up to have at home um that was my kind of that was my I wanted to just rely on that I wanted to try and just keep it there um and we went in and I had a little bit of a wait and um it was now around 13 hours or so I've been in labor and I was starting to get quite tired and I I said you know I really need to have some pethidine I need a rest um so they hooked me up to some fluids and pethidine and I was clock watching then because I knew my midwife was coming on at eight o'clock that night. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, she, she won't be long. She'll be here. We went in around two o'clock. And yeah. um, sure enough, it came to like half seven. She literally like burst through the doors to like the room I was in. Oh. She was like, let's have a baby. And I was like, <laughs> oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, and she was great. She um, we got in the pool and. Um, it was lovely. I, I listened. I got to take the tens machine off. I had that on the whole time. It was only nineteen hours of tens machine. Wow. Listening to the Freya app. I think my husband's head's gonna fall off. <laughs> I can't listen to this music anymore. Um, and um, yeah, really lucky. Um, we're in the water, which is my like happy place. But unfortunately, my daughter didn't like the water. Her heart rate kept dropping, so I had to get out the water. And um, it was the real kind of pushing phase was around two hours. So it's kind of on the limit wow. where you would be. Yeah. yeah. It, um, it was a real struggle. I found it really, really hard. Um, yeah. And I didn't, no one, you know, I know you got to push, but I was like, that is you don't push. realize how hard. <laughs> Did you find that as well? Um, I'll be on it. I, when, when it came to my pushing phase, so I, I was induced and I'd had enough um, and it, I got to 10 centimetres and she was like, okay, like, let's start pushing. And then said, just to let you know, this could take an hour. And something in my head went, no, it won't. And I <laughs> pushed for, every, I, I had my first baby after 15 minutes. I was like, uh-uh, not taking an hour. And it wow. was just like, so I think I put the effort in just to, just so they wouldn't last that long. <laughs> Someone but gave yeah, you a hard. target and you just went, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, okay, that's no thanks. And you just went for it. <laughs> yeah amazing (laughs) that's amazing it is and that's what that's what I love is everyone's so different like some women so far some women ages you know it's it's so fascinating I think even my midwife I looked at her at one point um rather than she had me on like a birthing stool on all fours squatting side lying one leg up and even my husband was like oh I think my husband looked at at one point when I was on the birth stool and he was like you look so jacked he was like you're in a tricep dip position and he's like I, a couple of days later my neck was really sore I was like god my neck feels horrendous and he's like, yeah I could see all of your like <laughs> a cloud of mastoid I could see everything it was like all out here because you were so pushing John was like, oh, god. um and eventually um I they, they called in a senior midwife to see if I might need an episiotomy and the senior okay. midwife's like nope she's she's gonna be fine and um I yeah I I 
got her out just under two hours, six minutes past midnight, which I was a bit gutted about because I was like, damn it, she's now on the 2nd of July. But um, it, it was amazing. 2nd of July? Yeah, I was like, I want to do on the 1st. Just fancy the 1st oh. of July, baby. Um, well, if it makes and, you feel any any better, at that point, I was being induced. My boys were born on the 3rd, so. Oh, amazing. Ah, <laughs> oh, July, That's quite baby. cool. Nice, we, nice were doing, we were going through that process together. That's nice. I like that. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, um, and that was when I found out I, I had quite a blood loss. My midwife said, actually, I think um, you, you may have sustained a bit of a tear. And um, I was like, okay. And just... <laughs> in another world aren't you yeah yeah you can't take so, that information in. you just like, yeah okay, I just sort like, it out for me I was I was like whatever because I had like this baby and she was quite big she was um four kilos she was like right on four kilos so she's wow. eight pounds eleven yeah not small not small with her dad's shoulders um <laughs> the size so, they are now right <laughs> yeah god it felt like it um and I, yeah, I was just in a daze and so when she said actually I'm going to ask you know our obstetrics consultant Rob who is amazing um wonderful guy he's like she said I'm going to ask him to come in and um it was the first time I was given gas and air he's like you might want to have some gas and air for this examination I was like no I don't I don't really like it, it tastes a bit gassy and a bit weird well I mean two seconds into that examination I was like can I have the gas and air please <laughs> This is rather uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I'll take that now. But, yeah, I'll, ha- I'll have all of that, please. Um, <laughs> so I had that and um, he, he confirmed. He was like, actually, you've certainly got a grade three tear. So we're going to have to take you through to surgery. So, <sighs> yeah. And that was that was probably the hardest bit is I was like, OK. I was like, well, um, so I'm going to have to have a spinal block, aren't I? And he was like, yeah. Oh. He was like, come through and meet my, meet my anaesthetist, who was, again, a very young, very wonderful man. Um, I was like, this isn't how I envisaged two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday with two very young, lovely men stitching me back up, putting needles into my back. <laughs> and this is a bit unusual. But um, yeah, we're just so lucky. I think then it, it hit me that A, I'd had the tear um, and B, just how lucky we are to have our NHS on call just yeah. at any time of the day or night. So, so lucky. Yeah. Um, but I think he could tell the anaesthetist was like talking to me all the time talking to me about like gym stuff crossfit stuff and he was like you know it's going to be all right he's like you will get back to what you enjoy you know and that was the oh, first time really I was cool. like yeah that was the first time I was like yeah this isn't this isn't ideal um but he was wonderful and he was the first person that I thought of when I was like getting back to my double unders and stuff I was like cool you know he, really? he called it so <laughs> yeah. but amazing experience and I would love to go through it again like I could if I could do it again yeah. I would so I think that says it all that's brilliant so tell us a bit about like how your recovery went then from yeah so it was like I think my overarching thing is really slow I had some Mm -hmm. really really slow progress and I noted quite early on and I was I was prepared for it because with a longer pushing phase as well um and sustaining the tear I was kind of ready for um some stress urinary incontinence Mm-hmm. and I did I, I noticed it when I had to sprint after my dog because he ran off um after a cat like Tom and Jerry <laughs> and that was when I was like oh right okay and, and I found that that really upset me mm-hmm. and I should have been a bit more ready for it than I was working where I do in what I do but um I wasn't and it really upset me I found that hard mm-hmm. um and I kind of made a real promise to myself then to just um be honest with the healthcare professionals um I had a less than satisfactory 
um, I went back to the um, gynae consultant, Ops and gynae consultant at 16 weeks for an examination. Um, and they kind of had a look and the muscle bulk was good and they were happy with the contractions that I could do. And then they sent me through to see their physio. And unfortunately, fortunately, I kind of know the physio and it wasn't ideal. She kind of said, well, you're a physio, you know what you're doing. So off you go. She didn't examine me. Oh no, you can't, you can't examine yourself like I know, really well, can you? No. And, and I was like, okay. And I was in a day. I had mastitis at the time. <sighs> I had about two hours sleep and I just let her kind of let me go. And yeah. she didn't even take a subjective. And I just kind of like a subjective assessment. And I just kind of think now, God, if I could have had my time again, I'd have said, no, stop, yeah. stop. I need yeah. you to do your job. I need yeah. you to help me. I need you to do your job because everyone does, you know, healthcare professionals, everyone needs their help. Yeah. Um, and so that was when I was like, right, well, no one's going to do it for me. So I've got to do it for myself. And it's been slow and steady, but um, really measured and really careful with my progress and um, doing my pelvic floors religiously and I'd use um, some biofeedback as well just to check where I am in terms of getting the contractions right and doing a lot of breath work for me because I'm I think my background in swimming didn't help and I'm, okay. I'm a terrible breath holder like <laughs> yeah to the point where I used to work out and coaches would be like are you holding your breath and I'd be like no <laughs> <laughs> and they're like yeah, yeah it's kind yeah, of essential yeah. in swimming but but yeah no yeah. else I just enjoy making myself mildly hypoxic when I'm yeah. just for a workout. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not difficult that. enough as it is. Yeah, I just like to add <laughs> a, bit, a bit of spiciness into it. Hold my breath. Um, it's been slow, but it's been really good. And I'm, I, I'd say I'm like 98% there now. 98, 99% there. That's really cool. Did, you know, um, about 300 double unders in today's workout. Asymptomatic, no symptoms. Really happy with where I am. Right. Yeah. 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 And that just shows that, you know, the the length of the progress as well, the length of, of time that it can take to recover. There's you know, the, the the main information out there is you have your six week check, you get you all clear, you do what you want, and then once twelve months comes, you're no longer postnatal. And yeah. and it's just not it's not true. You know, you and I are both seventeen months postnatal and I don't know about you, but I still feel like a brand new mum. I still my body still feels like it's the body of a brand new mom and yeah although I've come so far in my recovery I'm not done I'm not fully recovered and I still right. have to 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 focus on certain things you know I still I still go and see my physiotherapist to get to get checked up but there's still some things I, just, I need to think about more than I would have done previously yeah, yeah. and it to yeah to think that you should be fully recovered and undusted no. 12 months at the latest it's just not yeah it never it never stops and it's a constantly evolving process like I just need to be really careful with how I'm it's just being mindful about like my yeah. strengths and weaknesses for me like overhead lifting I have to be very mindful of my breathing I have to be really mindful of what I'm doing and that's that's never going to go away and that's that's my thing is it's okay I've kind of very much made peace with the fact that probably not going to go in and challenge any 17 year olds do you know what I mean yeah <laughs> Not, not yet anyway not just yet but yeah. it's it's okay and sometimes it's it's being okay with where you are and accepting the progress that you're making because again it's just it's, it's like new again isn't it yeah and I, and I think it's it's forgotten about as well that just how different your life is trying to make that progress now oh, so especially if it's if it's after your first baby like beforehand you had 
you know, your job work was so many hours a day and then you had the rest of the time to focus on all the other things that you needed to do. And, and now it's just that it's totally different. But oh God! Still like, trying to put that same same effort and same emphasis in, and still expecting the same back. It's yeah, it, and that there's the two just that, don't go together. That's not the case now, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's okay if I can get a workout in a little bit of strength beforehand to try and address some of the issues that I'm working on. That's yeah. a really good thing. Definitely, cool. So, in terms of your your practice now, then now after having your own baby and going mm. through your own recovery, do you feel like? having that experience yourself has changed the way that you help your clients now I think so yeah it's it's um it's the level of empathy so it's quite it's really I I don't know about you but when a lady comes into you um before I had Theodora I'd kind of like listen and be like "Mm -hmm. okay yeah and I'd listen but it's that level of understanding sometimes when someone's in a really bad place yeah and they are really at rock bottom and they don't ever think they're going to get back to where anywhere near they were or anywhere near feeling normal. Yeah. I can now sit there and say, it feels like you're at sea, doesn't it? It's, it's really unsettling and it feels like you can't see land. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a horrible, horrible place to be. And some moms don't experience it, you know, certainly on their rehabilitation, they just don't sort of experience it, but I did several times. And to be able to sit there and um, to kind of watch these ladies as they get really upset because it's just so upsetting for them. And I, I get it. I kind of sit there and in non-COVID times, like put a hand on their shoulder and say, it's okay. Like I completely get where you're coming from. Yeah. This will get better. We will work on it. You will improve. I promise, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of giving them the reassurance and time to listen. Um, that is the journey for me. It's kind of been invaluable really. I'm very grateful. God, it's been stressful. But I'm very grateful for what I went through, um, as I'm sure you are, because it gives you that kind of level of like, oh, right. OK, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You can. And and for the from the other side as well, like the women that come to you now know that you have felt what they feel. So they yeah. know they can talk to you about it. They know you're the right person to come to. Um, it was only actually the other day I said to my, my husband that although I hate it, if a woman cries when she's talking to me, I know mm. I'm in the right place with her. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's horrible. Isn't it? Like I don't, I don't set out to make them cry, but if I get to those feelings and mm. if I feel like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Like I know I'm in the right place with this, Yeah, with this woman yeah. and, and like everything's going to be okay. Absolutely. Cause it's, it's it, a lot of the time it's making that emotional connection with someone. I think that um, a lot of the time in the NHS it is a real struggle because they're on yeah. such a time factor it's very much yes 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 answer these questions thank you bye and I understand that because I am a part of that I'm a small cog in that machine as well um, mm-hmm. but it's it's sharing with women in their absolute joy of having a newborn I love when ladies come in for their postnatal checks and they're just in that like joyous bubble yeah and like they can't stop looking at their baby and they can't stop smiling and they can't stop looking at me being like I've just birthed a baby yeah and I, I love that and at the same time I really like the feeling of a lady leaving my clinic and saying thank you so much for listening to me and thank you so much for validating how I feel yes. because it's really shit and I'm like yeah <laughs> I'm with you I know you know so it's 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 both ends of the scale and it's, I feel it's a real honor to kind of work with ladies through that for sure yeah definitely you become such an integral part of 
of helping them to be who they want to be and, and to mm. feel to help them through such such a rough time for, mm. for a lot of women that yeah. you yeah you need that connection don't you yeah definitely cool so tell us then what you think or what you wish all women knew about physiotherapy or about how to help themselves is there something you just wish that like if I could send one text message to every single woman <laughs> what would it say it would be I think because oh god there's so many I was thinking thousands oh about that one or about this one <laughs> I think the one like biggest take home for me about um and this is women for like all like I'm talking your young athletes your um pregnant ladies your postpartum athletes, your um, uh, masters athletes, women in general, don't be, don't feel your intimate health. So like bladder, bowel, um, vaginal health, don't feel that you can't talk to any healthcare professionals about it. This is my biggest thing is that I think a lot of women suffer for a very long time um, before they go and see anyone. And then when they do go and see anyone, I hope and pray that it's the right person and that they can help them. But sometimes it's not, like we said at the beginning. And it, my thing is, don't be embarrassed by your symptoms. Don't feel like you're not worth the time. Like this is so integral and important, your pelvic health. You know, it's a group of muscles, uh, ligaments, tendons, and a bone structure. It's yeah. no different from like a bicep or a tricep, except we can't see it. And it has... Yeah such a functional role in our day-to-day life you know if you're in discomfort when you're going to the loo if something's not right something doesn't feel right down there you know you must 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 go and get checked and go and get it looked at because you you can't you know you can't go through life thinking oh no it's all right it's just a part of it that's my biggest thing is that women they you know oh you've had a baby now deal with it god yeah you're you're valid you know you need to go and and be seen and and have the time to say what's going on and have the assessment that's my biggest bugbear is that you know so many women oh I didn't know this this is a thing yeah yeah no we'll have to keep talking about it keep shouting about it yeah um yeah we'll 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 get to them all eventually don't worry yeah (laughs) we're on a mission now yeah cool so um to finish off then what I want to do is make sure that we can all find you um and find out a bit more about you and to read your blog posts and to actually get your messages um across a little bit more um so let us know the best places to find you where can we find you so um I'm on Instagram as Victoria underscore Crawfield underscore physio um mm-hmm. if you t- type in the postpartum physio that's kind of my side name that pops up there and then my blog is um, the postpartum physio. So if you type that into Google, it should pop up there. I think it's the postpartum physio.co.uk, I think. I need to learn right. that better, don't I? <laughs> yeah. I don't know my own websites either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to write them down just to remind myself. And also on your Instagram, you do daily pelvic floor exercise reminders, don't you? Yeah, God, I'm so boring with them, aren't I? <laughs> just but there's something them. that are just, they're so easy to do they're so vital and they're so easily forgotten and how how often do we spend just flicking through stories on instagram i know i know and it's so true reminder every day just like 
oh crap, yeah I'll do them <laughs> just a bit of a pop-up yeah exactly and I th- sometimes I get to like normally you can tell when I've had like an NHS day because I'm like oh my god I'll pass ten at night I'm like do public floor everyone you must do them you must do yeah, them yeah I've just remembered to do mine <laughs> yeah exactly exactly because we all have days like that and 100% I know there are um ladies out there with tonal issues in terms of pelvic floor and actually they need to work on more breath work this is a general like broad kind of spectrum just an awareness about our pelvic floor and just sort of doing them because I do also moan at people about breath work and all sorts of fun things yeah you do so if you want a daily reminder or a daily moan at um, or if you're just like one of those like I know I should be doing my exercises but I keep forgetting go and follow Victoria on Instagram because she'll give you a daily reminder to even if it's like your rehab is not to do contractions even if it's to to do some breath work or if you've got any other specific like rehab work to do just having that reminder there reminder yeah do it now whatever you're doing because I bet you're starting your bum doing nothing else and that's all you need to do to do your pelvic floor exercises absolutely like this morning I was folding endless reams of washing oh my god and I was like do you know what perfect time to go and do a set now exactly cool brilliant um so finding mom strong movement you can find us on Instagram at mumstrong.movement. You can find us on Facebook at Mumstrong Movement. We have got a website, which is www.mumstrong.co.uk, where you can find out about um, how we help pregnant and postnatal ladies in terms of coaching, different things that we've got there. And there's a, also a blog post. And if you are local to the Warrington Northwest area, there is a partnership page on there where I... Um, linked to different services so there's some physiotherapists on there there's some family support workers on there um just to create that team so that if you are struggling to find a physiotherapist within the, the local area um you can go out go and check on them and find one that's close to you both of those women as well as victoria are mummy mot practitioners um so they also have a website where if you're not local to either myself or victoria then you'll find someone who's local to you as well so you can go and check out that website and personally as well i am at coach helen gatt on instagram so you can follow all my moanings and ramblings and pictures of twins and all sorts (laughs) cool so um we're going to wrap it up there for today Thank you so much for joining me today, Victoria. It's been such a good conversation. Um, I think we're planning to do some more like specialised conversations from like a more professional side of things. Um, I know you've got an awful lot to say, particularly on like physiotherapy and training and rehab and exercise and all that kind of thing. And so have I. So um, we'll get together again in the near future and we'll we'll get some more specialised topics up on the podcast. All right. Fantastic. Thank you ever so much. It's been a real pleasure to say thank you. Now you're so welcome. <laughs>